Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. Today's service, um, as I was sharing with you, I think it was a couple weeks ago, we, we had uh, uh, got our new uh, missions brochure done and I was sharing with you all of the, the missions that we do. One of the missions that we support on a regular monthly basis is Samaritan Aviation. Amen. This is a, a powerful ministry that works in uh, Papua New Guinea, and they do a great work there. Well, today we have the founder uh, and the leader of Samaritan Aviation. He's here. He's going to minister to us. So let's give him a hand. Uh, Mark Palm is coming right now. Amen. Good morning. Wow, it's great to be here with you guys. It's been almost, I think I was thinking back three years since I was here last. The world has changed a little bit in the last three years. I know my world has. I'm sure yours has as well. But it's great to be here in Kingman, one of my favorite churches to come to. I always, uh, the spirit is always real. God's spirit's here. And uh, when I worship, um, I'll tell you a, a story in a minute about what I've been through the last couple years. Uh, but that last song, uh, Waymaker, was just a, a huge song uh, for me um, as I was going through cancer this last year. But uh, before I go into that story, I just wanted to say thanks, Pastor John, Kathy. It's great to be with you. Uh, we've got Brian and uh, Mary Yeager from Samaritan is here as well. It's great to be back with Pastor Alex and Cindy, Jason, all the family here at Kingman. And Meeting people, Chandler out in the out in the lobby, uh, my my friend uh, Chandler. So, yeah, just great to reconnect with people that uh, we've known now. I feel like uh, Kingman has become a family for us. Some of you guys uh, might have had a rough year last year, but I had a really rough year, um, and uh, this was me about a year ago might not recognize me. Hopefully you don't recognize me in that photo. But I was uh, I just finished six rounds of chemotherapy. I was diagnosed with B-cell lymphoma about four months after we came back from Papua New Guinea. Um, and so it was a, a, a long year. And so songs like Waymaker and songs about God's faithfulness in our lives. And one of the things I realized when I was going through this uh, trial is, you know, I prayed for healing. Uh, I, a lot of people around the world prayed for healing for me. Uh, but that's not what God decided to do. He decided to heal me through chemotherapy. And so, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was a long journey. And as I prayed and, and struggled with that, one of the things I realized is God, uh, the scriptures talks about God will give us the peace that passes all understanding. And, uh, you know, God sometimes doesn't change our circumstances, but he changes us. And for me, that's really what I had to rest in and, and lean into God's faithfulness over the years, his, his uh, realness in my life. And uh, just so grateful uh, that I just got a scan a couple months ago, uh, a clear scan. So thank you, God. So it's so, it's so great to be here with you and uh, just to share about God's faithfulness. Uh, a year ago, I wasn't sure I'd ever get back to Kingman, but here I am. And it's great to be here with you um, this morning. It's kind of a, 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 one of the things 
that I ended up getting into that uh, you might find humorous uh, during my cancer recovery is uh, pickleball. Do I have any pickleball players in here? I got a few hands waving in the back. Um, anyway, most people don't know what it is, and I'm not going to go into it right now. But recovering from cancer, not having strength to, to surf and do the other uh, more physical activities that I like to do, pickleball became that thing that I could do. And I even started doing competition. But if you want to know more about uh, how to play pickleball, you can hit me up in the back. Happy to give some pro tips. But uh, just so great. I just want to say my family, uh, they were here with us uh, three years ago. My kids have all are growing up. My daughter is at Grand Canyon University now, uh, just getting ready to start her sophomore year there. And our, our son, Drake, next to me is a senior this coming year. And our son, Nolan, is going into his sophomore year. They send their greetings. The, the older the kids have gotten, the less they want to travel with dad to, and mom to speak at churches. So I, I let them have a weekend off this week. Um, but they do send their greetings. And just want to also just, for those of you who are following my story the last year and a half as I've gone through, through cancer uh, on a personal level, just thank you for all your prayers uh, and just your, your faithful Prayers for not only me, but for my family. My wife was a rock star uh, nursing me through that whole process, uh, as she has been uh, for the last 23 years. And um, just so grateful for her and that she could join us uh, today. But um, have you guys ever had a, a dream that seemed impossible? So when I was 16, I went down to Mexico with my church youth group to build houses. And I saw a culture, another culture for the first time. And God spoke to me. And I was doing my devotions, reading Psalm 139. I'm sitting on an old abandoned well. And God spoke to me. And it was like he was sitting right here. And he said, Mark, I want you to use your passion for people and aviation to share my love in a remote part of the world. Now, as a 16-year-old, that was quite a revelation. So I went back to uh, California, where I'm from, and started trying to figure out what does that look like. And uh, went to Bible school, met a friend there. We went to Papua New Guinea when I was 19. Because to me, God said a remote part of the world. He didn't tell me which country at that moment. So I said, well, Papua New Guinea seems pretty remote to me. Uh, still considered one of the last frontiers uh, in the world. So I went over there as a 19-year-old, spent a month living with the people, uh, finding out what their needs were. I didn't have an agenda when I was there. It was mostly like, what do you guys struggle with? And, and what are the main needs here? And it was very clear, very quickly, that the two main things that were missing there was uh, access to medical help and also access to a clear gospel message. And so those two things uh, really made a huge impact on, uh, on, on my life. And uh, we came back from that, that trip and to tell you a little bit about New Guinea, I'll just give you some, some statistics. 840 languages are spoken. Now, the, the language that they speak, uh, we all speak over there, uh, I would say, Morning, I'll get You plus up all right. I have a come now. How do you talk to Papa God this morning? I basically it's saying, Hello, it's great to be here, and I'm here to, to, to lift up the name of, of Jesus. And they call Papa God is the name for God over in the Tokpisin. But that's the language we speak. There's 840 languages spoken just on that right side of the island. Second largest island in the world. 
Over 8 million people live there, and most of the people that live in this country are isolated from roads and access to the medical attention, one to three days away uh, from the only hospital in the area that we work in. And so as, I, as we saw this need of lack of access, no, no way to get medical supplies, no way to get help when there's an emergency, there's a snake over there called the death adder, for example, that kind of says all you need to know about that snake, right? A death adder. You've got about eight hours if you get bitten by that snake. So if you're th three days away from the nearest hospital where the anti-venom is, you're, you're probably not in very good shape. Uh, malaria, 98% of the people have malaria over there. Uh, tuberculosis is a main thing. I, polio came back to Papua New Guinea two years ago, and we helped uh, stop that, the spread of polio over there. Um, so you're just dealing with tribal wars. Um, they're still fighting over land and, and, uh, and women, is what they would tell you. The two things we fight over are land and women. I'm not sure anything's have changed uh, in society. That seems to be the, the one thing we've always fought over. But um, So we're talking bows and arrows, machetes, are kind of the two favorite uh, uh, weapons. So you can imagine uh, we deal with a lot of trauma as well. Um, and so those are kind of the areas uh, that we're that we're working in. And I um, came back from that trip and it was like, okay, what do we need to do? So I started flying airplanes immediately because I knew I had to finish my flight training and went to aircraft mechanic school, was a youth pastor for a while, uh, sold real estate for a while, uh, worked construction, whatever it take, and the, took. And the whole point was how can I get Samaritan aviation off the ground and get to Papua New Guinea to save lives? And uh, we had this prayer card that we came up with and um, this, this little card we sent out to 330 people, which was everybody we had on our Rolodexes that we called it back then. We didn't have iPhones. And we mailed this card out to 330 people. And we were expecting this amazing response. We had received our 501c3 certification by this time. And so we thought, wow, we're just going to raise all this money. And I think $330 came in from that big mail out. But being young and uh, naive a little bit, we said, well, in my head, I was like, they just didn't understand what God's called us to do. So we kept telling the story. And we kept telling the story. Um, the, the worst question we always got was, what kind of airplanes do you guys have? Well, we didn't have an airplane. We had a nice logo with an airplane on it. <laughs> but we didn't own an airplane for several years. And we went around the country for 10 years telling the story, encouraging people about the call that God had given us to reach and save lives in Papua New Guinea. And um, it was amazing to me, even as I, I go around, some of you guys support us on a monthly basis. This church is so faithful to support us and, and as an organization. And I've, we had friends that supported us for 10 years before we ever even got to New Guinea. And that part is amazing to me. I'm so thankful for those who caught the vision and were so faithful. But after all of that time and all of that struggle, January 2010, I put this airplane together uh, in a, with a bag of tools. We, which we shipped it over in a 40-foot container to the Capitol. It took a week to put it together with a bag of tools. And I flew this plane into WeWAC, and we started full-time operations, medical operations in Papua New Guinea. God's faithful. He was faithful to the call. He was faithful to the vision that he gave us. And... Um, it was amazing. I still look at that photo and 
chuckle a little bit because that my kids look a little younger, and so do I, unfortunately, in that photo. My wife looks the same. But um, uh, just an amazing, amazing testament um, of God's faithfulness to the call that he gave us. And um, so, uh, so grateful uh, to, to bring this airplane in 2010 and start doing the work that we do. And, and the, the, um, in this area, you'll notice uh, there's, in WEWAC on the top there, you'll see the hospital Samaritan Aviation Base. So this province has 500,000 people that we work in, one hospital. That one hospital is on the coast up there in WeWAC, and there's a 700-mile river that you see on this map. Most of the people on that river are one to three days away in a canoe uh, by road to get to that one hospital. So we've turned a three-day trip to the hospital into a 45-minute flight with the seaplane, directly bringing God's love directly to the people. Our goal as, as an organization from the beginning has been the, to be the hands and feet of Jesus. How can we show God's love? And we don't charge for any of the flights that we do, and we're the only organization uh, in the country that doesn't charge for flights. And so we're able to serve this whole area, 700-mile river, uh, and we service 40 different aid posts with medicine deliveries as well. So they have little aid posts. I, I say aid posts, I use that word loosely, uh, bush house, and a few boxes of medicine, but at least some antibiotics and some things like that. Anything serious at all. Uh, very few nurses even on this river and no doctors. So some community health workers and things like that. So anything that's halfway serious, you have to come all the way to town to get the help that you need. And we're on call seven days a week for those medevacs and life flights, we call them. And then we deliver the medical supplies and vaccines. We've had um, a lot of disaster uh, emergencies that we also respond to, whether it's measles outbreaks, whooping cough. Uh, like I mentioned, polio uh, came back here a couple years ago. And so just responding to the needs that are there. We work with 10 other uh, Christian organizations to help serve them as well. Uh, 10 different Bible translations works that we support. Um, and then working with the local people uh, through those uh, other areas. Um, to give you a picture of this community, it uh, gives you an idea of the remoteness. This village right here is on the water 365 days a year. If you look behind the houses, you'll see little houses, and those are the outhouses. So if you can imagine getting up 365 days a year and stepping off of your house into the water, into those canoes. But those are the people that we're reaching directly with the love of Jesus. And when we bring these patients in, uh, a lot of them have never been to town. They've never seen a vehicle. They've never seen electricity, the hospital, and so you're bringing them from a remote community, saving their life, and having an amazing ability to share Christ with them and to share a clear gospel message. And we have a team that's in there every day sharing God's love with the patients, giving them food, clothing them if they need clothes, and just loving on them, developing relationships, and sharing a clear gospel message. And that's really uh, the heart of Samaritan Aviation. This last year, as well, a highlight is we were able to do a trauma healing training. We brought in 22 nurses that had, hadn't had any reoccurring training, some of them in 20 years. Brought them in, helped uh, retrain them, gave them some basic things. They didn't have stethoscopes, they didn't have blood pressure cuffs, oxyometers, the things, the basic things that you need to know how a patient is doing. We were able to give each of these nurses 
those things, as well as teach them a healing the wounds of trauma curriculum, which is a discipleship program that we are introducing to Papua New Guinea. And uh, this, that's been an, that was an amazing opportunity to give back into, into, those, into their lives and uh, to, to share Jesus once again with them and, and how they can then share better God's love with the patients that they're dealing with out in the remote communities. Um, uh, amazing to be able to do that. This year, also a high, uh, milestone. You see that little airplane? You see that box of medicine? This is May River Village. We del- we, this year, we passed 200,000 pounds of medical supplies that we've been able to deliver with these little airplanes and uh, one flight at a time. And uh, we have two of the airplanes over there now. Some of you saw the last time we were here, I think we had our, third, our second seaplane for New Guinea. That's serving over there now. We actually have another seaplane that's getting ready to go over to, to New Guinea uh, next year as well. So uh, since we've been here, we've been able to not only send the airplane that you guys got to come out and see some of you, but we also have a new one uh, that we're going to be sending out next year, which is another just a huge praise. These airplanes are about $650,000 to buy and get them ready to go, and the one we have is all paid for, and it's getting ready to go to Papua New Guinea. So another amazing uh, just testimony of God's faithfulness at Samaritan Aviation. I want to tell you a quick story. I had a chance to to go out. We had the ambassador uh, from the U.S. to Papua New Guinea, who's become a close friend of ours. But we, um, when we brought that plane that some of you saw over to New, to New Guinea, New Guinea is a place where you always have a celebration for, for everything. So when you bring a plane into the country that's going to save lives and be an air ambulance, and then everybody comes from state ministers to uh, ambassadors in this case. So we invited Ambassador uh, Catherine Ebert Gray uh, to come out and uh, be one of the featured speakers at the launching of our new airplane. So she arrived in WeWAC. She had dinner at our house uh, with our team. And uh, she said, well, there's one thing I would like, uh, if I come out, I'd like you to fly me to the Sepik River. She said, I I studied um, an anthropologist when I was a kid who wrote a book about the Sepik River, and I've always wanted to go there. So I said, that sounds great. So she arrived. uh, My wife and I got in the plane with her and another uh, official from... Papua New Guinea from the province there, and, and uh, we flew out to this village, and I sent notice to the village that, um, you know, we're going to be bringing a, a VIP out, and uh, we're bringing the brand new airplane out. She, she wants to see the village, and uh, so we're going to be out there around well, 2 or 3 o'clock, whatever. So we arrive on the side of the, of the river, and there's just, they've got the, you'll see this, this guy on the left-hand side here is all dressed up in his his Belos, but it's his Sing Sing attire. So if you've seen Sing Sings in different cultures, they, they love to sing and beat the drum and dance. And so they have this whole team that's there just dancing on the side of the river as we taxi the plane up to dock it. And, um, and so we, we pull the plane up, and, and there's dancing. They're throwing flowers in the air. We get out. I have video of it, and I'm sorry I didn't get it in this slide presentation, but if you can imagine just people dancing, singing, about 600 people crowded around, and we get out of the plane, and they're putting uh, lays around us, and they're throwing flowers over us, and um, just this welcome and this procession, and they lead us over to this little aid post that I was describing, a little bush house, and in front of it, they've got four plastic chairs that are there for us to sit on. So we follow the Sing Sing group. There's about 30 of them singing and dancing. 
and they all are dressed like this uh, uh, Matthew here that's in this picture. And so they're, we're, they're dancing, we're following them, we sit down. And in New Guinea, it's not just a celebration, but it always is a speech. And it's never one speech. And the speeches are not short. And so it's, uh, it's speech time. So, you know, the village leader gets up and says something, and then I get up and make a speech, and um, then the ambassador gets up and makes a speech, and on and on it goes. And then the nurse gets up from the village. She's a, a community health worker. She doesn't, doesn't have a nursing degree, but they call her the nurse there. So she gets up, and she starts going through just the, uh, the list of things and the cases that they've done in the village at the aid post and kind of uh, just talking about what she does. And then uh, the village leader gets up and he calls uh, Antonia, this lady, out, out of the crowd. And she comes out of the crowd with her husband who's there, her son, and her daughter was there as well. And they said, uh, Samaritan Aviation, you saved this lady. Now, I probably told this story last time I was here about the first flight we ever did. So, so Good Friday, 2010, I get this call, and they said, uh, we have this mother who's been in labor for three days. She's unconscious. Can you help? The weather's terrible. I, had, at that point, had never done an emergency flight, but I said, yeah, we'll, we'll come. I, I still remember putting the stretcher in. My heart was beating really fast. I was trying to make sure the fuel caps, you know, I remembered to put the fuel caps on the airplane when I put fuel in it. And um, we, we take off out of, of WeWack, cross the mountains, weather, through the rain, we land, we, we load this lady up, uh, just unconscious. I didn't know if she was alive or dead. Put her in the plane with a nurse and we back through the clouds, back to, to WeWack. And uh, the next day, uh, they rush her into emergency surgery. The next day, Kirsten and I and the, our three little kids show up at the hospital, and we want to just see if Antonio's okay. And so we, we walk into the recovery room, and there she's sitting, holding this little baby boy. And I remember walking around the corner there and seeing these two lives that were there and that were saved because of the faithfulness of all those who had supported us and believed in us all those years that it took to get this plane over there. And now I'm sitting here looking at two people that would not have lived if we hadn't been there. And having the ability then to share Christ with her family and to love on them. And, and, uh, and we came in to visit them one day, and she said, um, we would like you to name our baby for us. And I, I, Kirsten and I only lived in the country a couple months, and we are just going, name your baby. Let's just, okay, we don't do that in America, but let's figure this out. So we go home and we're like going through scripture and we're trying to find this perfect name for this first, uh, two li- uh, first little baby that had been saved. We come up with a name for this little, little boy and we have a scripture that goes along with it. We printed it all out and we, we're all excited. We show back up at the hospital to name this baby and, and they look at us and they're like, oh, never mind. We already gave him your name. So we named him Mark after you. So this is baby Mark. And so, okay, now that was the first baby named after, after me, which was quite an honor, obviously. Um, and so here we are, fast forward, uh, nine years later, and they bring Antonio, and that's baby Mark right there, who is now nine years old. Bring him out of the crowd. And what a moment that was. And we've 
checked in with him over the years and, and the family. But to come in and have the ambassador see them, the thank yous. And then they, that didn't stop there. They, they called another uh, lady out of the audience. And they said, this lady had breached birth with twins, and you saved her life. And the two babies come out. And they give us uh, baskets and flowers. And, and then it, it, this keeps going. And this little boy had cerebral malaria. You saved his life. And, and, and this went on for about 30 minutes. And they just keep bringing people. This is one village of the 116 villages that we serve. And they just keep bringing people out. And I'm sitting there. And there's a crowd. And then the airplane's sitting behind on the river there. And, and I just had this picture of, of a father with his, with his wife who's, who's dying and can't give birth. And he comes and he's given up hope. And someone says, have you called Samaritan? And then what the sound of this airplane must be to them, it's the sound of hope. In America, people get irritated by the sound of propellers. But in New Guinea, that's the sound of hope coming. And we come pick up this guy's wife, fly her in, save her life, her baby's life. We don't charge for it. In this culture, there's no name for grace. But we, when we describe something in New Guinea, we call it a talk picture. And so I always, I, I, as I'm sitting here, I'm seeing this, this vision in my head, and I, I'm thinking uh, hope in action. And not only is Samaritan aviation hope in action, but we're, uh, we're a picture, a talk picture of God's grace where we don't charge him for it. In, in, in this culture also, a gift is an obligation. So if you give somebody something, you fully expect to be repaid. And for us to be able to come down, save their life, not have any expectations for that. It's a picture of God's grace for us that he's given us a free gift and we have to just accept it. And, uh, it, it, and, it, and so in this, it's an entry into sharing the clear gospel message with them. Hope in action. And as we were flying back, the ambassador and I were talking about this. The, the power of hope uh, in our lives, the power of hope that we have for our kids, for our marriages, for our communities, and without hope, what do we have? And so in New Guinea, uh, Samaritan Aviation is hope in action. We are there offering a free service, being a, a picture of God's grace for them, sharing God with Christ with them, and loving on them as Christ has commanded us to do. I've got a quick video I want to show you. Uh, just kind of just lays out everything that we do in Papua New Guinea and give you a bit of a better uh, visual as well. Papua New Guinea, an island nation just off the northern coast of Australia. One of the most remote places on the planet. For many villagers who live here, access to health care and hope is limited. With the nearest hospital up to four days away by canoe, an emergency can go from dangerous to deadly quickly. We heard many stories of people dying trying to get to the only hospital. So life and death is, is, is very close here. But the roar of Samaritan Aviation's float planes 
brings hope to the nearly quarter of a million people living along the 700-mile Sepik River. I'm gonna down him, down him, bro. Samaritan Aviation basically is a lifeline to all those people that live on the river. And most of the emergencies we deal with are life and death critical. If we're not here, people are dying. Samaritan Aviation operates what are essentially air ambulances that fly these injured and sick villagers to the only hospital in the region. In a remote village along the Sepik River, this nine-year-old girl was bitten by a venomous snake. Anywhere else, anti-venom would be injected and she'd recover quickly. But in the remote regions of Papua New Guinea, her condition is deteriorating fast. At Samaritan's base, an emergency call comes in. All right, you got everything you need? And the team springs into action. Go fly. Clear? Yeah, Chris is giving you an update. We'll be landing in around 25 minutes. Pray that this patient uh, can hold on until we can get there. Meanwhile, for this father, any hope for his daughter's survival fades with every minute she goes without help. But when one of Samaritan Aviation's planes arrives, treatment is started immediately as she is prepared for the flight to the hospital, where she makes a full recovery. The Samaritan Aviation is hope in action. We're hope for healing for them. We're hope for life. Your coming, is, I would say, to me, it's a miracle. Okay, thank you. There's a parable in the New Testament that Jesus spoke of that talks about what a good Samaritan is and how we're supposed to love our neighbors as ourselves and go above and beyond even when it's not expected. But Jesus also said, you know, what you do to the least of these in my name, you do as unto me. And that's really the goal for all of us is to be the hands and feet of Jesus. The ministry plays a vital role in helping villagers stay healthy and alive. We get emergency calls for everything from appendicitis, uh, breech births, tuberculosis, cerebral malaria, snake bites. We've got pig bites, people falling out of trees, trauma wounds from tribal fights, and every other kind of general sickness that you can ever imagine. But life-saving emergency flights are just one part of Samaritan Aviation's mission. There is a hospital ministry that serves the patients who are flown in by providing food, clothing, and support during their stay. The team also delivers medical supplies to remote aid posts, provides quick response when there is a natural disaster or sickness outbreak, and sets up community health programs that have a lasting impact on these remote villages. By meeting the people's physical needs, Samaritan's staff is able to tend to their spiritual needs as well. All right, I'm gonna pray real quick, guys. God, thanks for today. Pray for a safe flight, pray for this medicine to work. We're going into these remote areas. People are curious, they're like, why are you here? What are you guys doing here? And then we're able to share with them who Jesus is and why we do what we do here. People are seeing the idea of grace in action and the idea of a free gift with no strings attached. And that's really who we are. We're, we're in there offering a free service. We're saving their life. They don't owe us anything. So again, on the left side now. <laughs> they do what Jesus modeled for us. That's what Samaritan Aviation is all about. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Hope in action by bringing vital medical services and eternal hope to these forgotten people. You save one life, you are saving the nation. And the nation of Papua New Guinea is grateful 
and is partnering with Samaritan Aviation to expand operations into other remote areas. There are needs all around New Guinea and in particular in the western uh, Gulf provinces which is the other side of the island. We have a partnership agreement with the National Department of Health on the national government. We're partnered with the Provincial Health Authority to begin expansion plans for the western province. While this vision for future growth is exciting, it also presents challenges. With expansion comes needs, increased needs for staff, increased needs for funding, and so we can't do this alone. We need your help, and I want you to consider today how you can partner with Samaritan Aviation to continue to offer hope and access, to be hope in action to those people in the remote areas of Papua New Guinea. Just want to say a huge, uh, just thank you. Um, sorry, I'm going the wrong way here. Just, but just for your support. Um, Papua New Guinea. I'll get there here in a minute. Just for your support uh, for Samaritan Aviation. Your pastor, John, serves on our advisory board. He's, on our, he's also on our finance committee. We're so grateful for him and his commitment to Samaritan Aviation. And uh, we couldn't do it without your prayers and, uh, and, your, and your support. So Brian's going to come up. You guys know Brian Yeager? Yeah. Amazing guy who's been, who just celebrated eight years with Samaritan Aviation. And uh, we wouldn't be where we are without Brian. So he's just going to close us out. But uh, Brian, take it away. Sounds good. I just wanted to point out when he talked about 200,000 pounds of medical supplies, it's kind of hard to wrap your arms around that. If you could picture, Alex probably weighs about 200 pounds. If you could picture 1,000 Alex. <laughs> no, I, we have a couple of other uh, uh, exciting things that we just want to share with you. Just take a couple of minutes. Uh, there's probably been a time or two we've come here and we've just said our biggest need is an airplane. And our biggest need is a missionary. And so you guys are supporting us and praying us, praying for us. Well, we have a real exciting announcement. We have two missionary families. I think we have pictures of them, don't we? Yep. This is the Hovindens, and this is an Australian family. And one of the big events that we're celebrating this year is we are now registered in Australia. And so we're hoping that being closer there, we could see more missionary families from Australia going over. This is a, a missionary family that would love to leave Australia on the 16th, but there's quarantine involved, and now there's a three-week quarantine, and, and things are kind of locked in place. So they just are ready to go. And we have a new family that we accepted just this week, and this is the Vissers, and they're out of uh, Michigan. And we're hoping that uh, probably the early spring of next year they'll be joining us, and this is a pilot family. The other family is our first maintenance, uh, aviation maintenance director, and so they're meeting huge needs. So uh, I believe that that's a big part of, of you praying and helping us. So what a blessing. Uh, I, Mark challenged you at the end of the uh, video and, and, and just talking with you, just continue to pray and, and uh, uh, support us. Where uh, You saw the, the, the second base is, is something that we're stepping into. We've got a third airplane that we're trying to get over there. We'll probably still have in the country uh, coming into the fall. We hope to have it over here in October and November and maybe could swing by again and show it to you. But um, I want to just share something with you real quick. As you're watching that video and hearing Mark talk, He's talking about feeling this call or, or sensing this call when he was 16 years old and about, you know, you have an organization, an aviation organization for years without an airplane. And there's so many people that would have given up and 
moved on, and, and uh, um, you, you're going to think I'm going to really segue into another subject, but the Phoenix Suns coach, Monty Williams, is a real godly guy, and he said something to his young team the other day, and he says, everything you want in life is on the other side of hard. And so I've seen Mark face some hard things. I've seen the Palm family face some hard things, and they just haven't given up. And you're seeing the fruit of that after all these years, 20 years, in fact. And so it's, it's just amazing. And another thing that Monty, Monty Williams tells his young players is he said, sometimes God will call us out, but he usually doesn't call us out. He usually calls us up. And I want to call you up today because maybe you've had a dream and maybe it's been hard and maybe you've put it aside or maybe you've done something and you've failed or you feel like that you're just unqualified. And maybe God's not calling you out. Maybe God's calling you up. And I want to encourage you, if you're, if you're wanting to help in some way or form, some way or shape or form, uh, I'm calling you up. Keep praying for us. Keep praying for that vision, that dream that God's given you. Never know what will happen. So um, anyway, uh, sons, how about the sons? <laughs> any, any Milwaukee Bucks fans here this morning? If so, how many people here have a deer hunting license? <laughs> Not implying anything, just, just saying. Anyway, we're going to be in the back after the end of the service. Uh, I've got some swag here. I wanted to show it to you, but Chandler, Chandler volunteered to come and model our swag. This is the, we wanted to get this new gear to, to Kingman because we just wanted to, to, to start off our, our apparel there in Kingman because you guys always liked our stuff. This is the first shirt and the first hat that we've ever sold to anybody. So thank you, Chandler. Appreciate it. So Mark and Kirsten and Mary and I will be in the back there. Love to talk to you, answer any other questions. And Pastor, Pastor John. Praise God. You know, this, uh, this ministry is so moving to me. When I watch that video, it just tears my heart out. I just see that God is moving in such wonderful ways. And, you know, we are a church that really does believe in serving people. Amen. We serve them physically. We serve them spiritually. And uh, we, we want to reach the world. And this is, this is a great way to do it. This is, this is something that we can sink our teeth into. Can you say amen? And you know what? The Palms have been so faithful. And, and let's just give them a great big hand right now for their faithfulness. Amen. They have uh, hazarded their lives for Jesus. Amen. And it's such a powerful thing. And so, you know what, today, as you're going out, I know Mark will be back there. Uh, Brian will be back and, and in the where the table is. You can get a T-shirt, a hat, whatever. That all goes to help support this. And, and know that we as a church, we monthly support Samaritan Aviation and all that they're doing. And uh, we are a part of that. So somewhere in the grand scheme of things, in the, the eternal future, when we get to heaven, we have a part in the fruit of that ministry. Can you say amen to that? And, you know, it's such a powerful thing. And so let's stand to our feet across this place, and we're just going to close in a word of prayer. And uh, make sure you check out the table. Introduce yourself to Mark and Kirsten and, and Brian and Mary back there, and uh, just tell them how much you appreciate them. Let's pray. Father, right now, in Jesus' name, we thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you for all that you're doing. And, and Lord, we just pray, God, that your blessing, your favor, God, would be upon Samaritan Aviation 
salvation. Father, we pray right now that every need, God, would be met. Father, I, I thank you that you are able, God, to bring all this together. And God, we give you the glory and we give you the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. You're free to go. God bless you. We'll Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.